After an accident, minutes matter. Your words and actions matter even more. You need help, and you need it now. This is David vs. Goliath, brought to you by Dolman Law Group Accident Injury Lawyers, a boutique firm with a reputation for going head-to-head -head with the insurance company giants and putting people over profits. Thanks for joining us. This is an episode from our back catalog, so the episode numbers and firm name may have changed. But this is quality information, so instead of scrapping them, we decided it was more important to make sure you still had access. Enjoy the episode, and listen to new episodes of David vs. Goliath at dolmanlaw.com. Welcome to another episode of the Sidley Dolman Guy Podcast. Today I have uh, my illustrious guest, Mike Furdock, who is our third-year law clerk. Mike, it's a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're going to get right into it. Today, we're going to discuss what's considered the, the hottest mass tort out there right now. And by mass torts, these are lawsuits, and it's usually a series of hundreds, sometimes thousands of lawsuits brought against a manufacturer of a defective product, a defective medication, a defective device. In this case, it's Paraquat, which is an herbicide. Explain what Paraquat is. Yeah, so basically Paraquat... Uh came about in 1961. Its purpose was to kill weeds and use as an agricultural uh, grass and crop control so chemical. It's, so it's an herbicide. It's an herbicide. Yeah. Yep. However, this herbicide is extremely toxic, toxic to the point to where not only does it obviously work really well to kill weeds, but it's obviously killing people too. If you ingest this herbicide, mm -hmm. you will have serious health problems immediately if you ingest too much of it. I'm talking like very small amounts. So this is a, uh, it's considered more dangerous than Roundup. I know it's been banned in 30 different countries. Thir yes. Now over 32 countries, it's been banned in. The United States produces more than 10 million pounds of the year. Wow. Yeah. So, and unlike Roundup per se, so Roundup, you anyone could buy Roundup. Me, you know, yes. we can order Roundup on Amazon. We could have picked up Roundup at numerous different outdoor stores, like mm -hmm. you know, Lowe's or Home Depot or some outdoor stores, but where you can buy outdoor goods. Mm -hmm. um, this is different. So you need a license to spray uh, this this type of herbicide. So Paraquat is not something that your normal individual is going to get. Your normal weekend warrior. So there's a. I would assume there's going to be a lot less volume of these type of cases. Correct. There's going to be a lot less volume of these type of cases. Uh, however, the exposure to it is still very high uh, because when you have what's called, there's different types of drifts and overspray. Yeah, explain what's a drift and what's overspray. Yeah, so what you have is a, a vapor drift. And a vapor drift, you would think that, you know, strong winds may, you know, blow this vapor from overspraying the product. Mm -hmm. And it would you know, get into the air, people to inhale it, get into your skin. It's that powerful, almost like a, some type of virus. So meaning if you live in a residence that's within close proximity of where it's being sprayed. Yes. How you, far do these drifts go? I mean, well, the vapor drift could go for more than one mile. Wow. Yes. And the particles that, there's that much of a continued particle? That, that, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, the actual overspray itself, the herbicide overspray itself, for example, if there's a, a pilot doing crop dusting work, flying over farmland and whatnot, mm -hmm. he likely is going to be flying over residential land to get to that farmland or while leaving that farmland. And any overspray is going to trickle down into the air that way as well. So you have people that, you know, if you live or go to school within, 
you know, a couple miles or, you know, right around a, a, an area of a farm or a major agricultural center, yeah. center yep, mm -hmm. you have, you know, the chance to be at risk of having ingested this at some point, even if it's trace amounts and it's mm -hmm. the trace amounts that are actually causing the problems because like so I you said, live in a close proximate location to yes you could have been exposed to yes this. how common is this being sprayed i mean is this all over the 50 states or? i mean it's right now there's been 14 lawsuits filed in three states california illinois and pennsylvania yeah but it's used pretty much in any of the main states that you're using old data by the way it's now up to 86 lawsuits and they've been consolidated so that's that's where i come in but oh. we're gonna, i'm gonna catch you up with that update information in a second, okay yeah 86 lawsuits now. Yeah. Okay, so that's mm -hmm. a lot. So then obviously it's not as rare as you'd think, mm -hmm. especially because of the use of it. And yeah, uh, it's actually used in pretty much, I would say, every major agricultural setting in the country okay. where they grow any type of crops. Okay. So which, And by the way, even my information is outdated. So this is how quick it's growing. It's now up to 157 lawsuits. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, with 68 of those filed in the last two weeks. So we have 157 lawsuits that are pending. So this is what's known as multi-district litigation, MDL. And for our viewers who don't understand what that means is whenever we see it's similar to a class action, but a little bit different, class actions have to have commonality where it's the same exact issue repeating over and over again, affecting the same claimants. Okay, Every claimant has the same basic common claim. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit different. Now, with multi-district litigation, what we're trying to do is we're trying to coordinate the litigation of thousands of lawsuits, which is eventually be in the thousands. It's going gonna, it's gonna to grow quickly into one courtroom in the country. One judge is going to oversee all the litigation. This consolidates it, makes it organized, and makes it a much more efficient process. And what will wind up happening is with this coordinated discovery and coordinated depositions, they'll eventually be what's known as bellwether trials. In every multi-district litigation, regardless of what it is, whether it's Roundup, um, in the past, Accutane, um, you know, Paragard, Morena, intrauterine device. I mean, there's a number of these different claims going on. We have what's known as bellwether cases, which is the plaintiff bar and the defense bar pick usually six to 12 cases that um, the fact patterns are diverse enough that they run the gamut of what we're going to see going forward. They, they basically give you a, a cross pattern of what you're going to see throughout the thousands of cases. Mm -hmm. And they try these cases and it gives everyone a flavor of what to expect going forward. So if Eight of the twelve or nine of the twelve go the plaintiff's way; they're more likely to get these cases settled and resolved, across thousands of claims. And if it goes the defense bar's way, then obviously it's going to curtail future litigation. They're going to settle these cases for a lot less, sometimes even pennies on a dollar. Yeah, that's happened with mass tort projects, and apparently the science is pretty strong in this one. Science is extremely strong. I mean, you don't it's banned in thirty countries. Yeah, in fact, the United States not only do they require a license to spray it, what they do is that actually when they make it. They include a certain blue dye. Not only do they include a blue dye mm -hmm. to uh, distinguish it from other liquids, but they also give it a very strong, pungent odor. Okay. So you should be able to see it and smell it. Now, if by chance it, you still ingest it, there's they actually put a chemical-inducing mm -hmm. vomiting component. I heard about that. In yeah. the paraquat substance because, you know, they want... If you ingest paraquat, you need to try and get it out of your system immediately. So sure. that's why that's put in there. So I'm asked, what is Parkinson's disease? We know Parkinson's disease is a neurological disorder, as I discussed earlier. Take me through what are the different stages of Parkinson's disease? What does the uh, average, because a lot of individuals don't know they're actually suffering the very beginning and the early stages of such. What are the indicators? Correct. 
well, basically there's five stages of Parkinson's. Uh, your first stage is going to be very mild, minor, you know, motory symptoms that usually don't affect your everyday activities. Okay. Uh, could be some changes in sleep, could have some changes in posture or walking, but nothing noticeable to the fact that you start thinking, oh my God, I might have Parkinson's or do I have Parkinson's, right? You might not realize you have a neurological disorder. You just have some issues and you're yep. putting it off. And so if you're located within close proximity adjacent to farmland or agricultural center and you're noticing some mild tremors, what else would you mm -hmm. notice? Is there any? Well, I, I'd even say if you're noticing any mild tremors or potential side effects or symptoms gait, of walking. Parkinson's disease, yeah. I would say, you know, obviously get checked immediately, you know, whether you live next to farmland or not, but you should definitely find out whether or not you may be starting to develop Parkinson's because there's not just that one stage. Like I mentioned, there's, there's four more, there's five total stages. Yeah, go through them. So, you know, the symptoms after, you know, in stage two, tremors begin to start occurring. Mm -hmm. So, which is obviously a lot more serious, you know, you start having rigid body movements, you can't sit still. Um, now people could still live on their own with this, but life starts to become more difficult. You clearly have a neurological disorder going on. Yes. And it's, it's or not starts, Parkinson's. You have something. That yes. Warrants yeah, which need to be, yes, exactly. Right. And should be checked. You know, when you start to get to the third stage is they call it the mid stage. Yep. Right. Now you're going to start getting that loss of balance, that slowness and whatnot and movements, you have problems eating, you know, mm -hmm. directing the fork or spoon to your mouth. Uh, because you know, also getting dressed will be an issue. Yes. Getting dressed would be an issue, tying your shoes, uh, anything like that. And sure. Also another thing too, is it's, you have a higher likelihood of falling. Yeah. Which, which goes could cause other injuries. Yep. Um, yes, it goes hand in hand balance. And, and that's another thing. So okay. as they continue to worsen, basically individuals, they may be able to stand without help, but any type of movement they want to do or need to do is going to be with either the help of a cane or walker okay. or someone else helping them. And the scary part when you get to this stage is that you should no longer be living alone. It is not recommended it's not safe the fact that you can't really it's not safe sure. at all you know what's the fourth stage well that that, that was the fourth stage. Oh, yes. yeah yep. yep. in the fifth stage yep the fifth stage is now this is where the most severe symptoms are going to occur there's going to be stiffness in legs it's almost impossible to walk or even stand up that's yeah, how weak wheelchair yes point. that's how weak your muscles are and your and your motor skills are yeah. yes it is um and believe it or not it also is going to you could also have hallucinations mm -hmm. too that may occur and, and cause other issues. So it's a very scary thing. And if you have start to get any of these symptoms, you know, in those early stages, again, regardless whether you live next to farmland, you should get it checked out because even if you don't live next to farmland, maybe you're exposed in a different way. And there's a, a 2017 study um, by the Unified Parkinson's Advocacy Council. I'm looking at this statistic right now. It's just Pretty alarming. It suggests that the individuals who've been chronically exposed to Paraquat have a 200, 600% greater risk of developing Parkinson's disease. Yes. And there's been several studies. Yeah. You know, we cite that on our website. There's mm -hmm. a, seven other studies that have been cited that, um, you know, indicate or create indicia mm -hmm. of the link between par Paraquat exposure and mm -hmm. Parkinson's disease. So, wow. It, it, I, you know, we will only learn through discovery what did Syngenta know? What did Chevron USA mm -hmm. know before? 
not only bringing this to market, but while they had this on at market, why didn't they pull us off when they knew that this has been banned in 30 countries? Yeah. I mean, you're looking at a strict liability, product liability case. Correct. More or less. Yep. So, and you know, at the end of the day, if you have or have been diagnosed with Parkinson's or a loved one has that you know, or someone you know, call us. We yeah. want to see if there is a causal link. Are you near an agricultural yep. center? Do you live within close proximity or adjacent to farmland? You contaminate water too. The yeah. runoff, the aquifer, the soil, the aquifer. Yeah, it binds to the soil, could, could, gets into the soil, and could run off contaminating water. So now you're. I you're would assume there's curve. thousands of cases of Parkinson's yep. disease where individuals did not realize that they are exactly might be a link, and they could have been exposed. Yes. To yeah, because it could happen at any time, even from when they were younger. You know, that's once the the smallest amounts of ingestion happen, you know, potential problems start to occur. It immediately yep. travels to the organs, liver, heart, no kidneys, question. lungs. If you're chronically exposed yes, over and over again. It's like, even oh. worse. You now, know. the defendants are Syngenta Corporation and Chevron USA are the, the main manufacturers the of Paraquat, which is sold under a bunch of different names. Mm -hmm. um, these cases now are being filed in the Southern District in Illinois. That's where it's all been put together. It's where the, the you know, the multi-district litigation class is. The question is, how long is this going to go? But what I really want to discuss at this point is the causal link they're trying to display is between the use of Paraquat and Parkinson's disease. And Parkinson's disease, as we know, is a, is a horrifying neurological disease. We you know a lot of individuals out there know Michael J. Fox. Um, and it, you're, it's, it quickly deteriorates your, your nervous system. And the effects are seen, they're, they're crippling. Mm. And it's very pronounced and it's very quick. And there's no cure for Parkinson's disease. And right now, they believe there's a strong scientific link between the use of paraquat or paraquat exposure and the incidence, the onset of Parkinson's disease. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking for right now. We're investigating these cases nationwide. And in states where we're not licensed, we associate with local counsel um, to be in compliant with the local bar rules in each specific state. But we're handling these cases nationwide. And if you have any question, if uh, you've been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, you or a loved one, or have any other health concerns or health issues related to the exposure of par of uh, Paraquat, um, if you were located in land that is near, adjacent to, or within close proximity of farmland or an agricultural center, give us a call. We're available to you uh, day and night and 24 hours a day. Our local number here in uh, Tampa, Florida is 727-451-6900. Our national number is 833-55-CRASH. We're a personal injury law firm, but we do handle mass torts on a nationwide basis. Give us a call. We'd love to investigate your claim. We'd be honored to do such. Um, we'll get back with a very timely response. And you can email me anytime at matt, M-A-T-T, at dolmanlaw.com, D-Like and David, O-L-M-A-N, L-A-W.com. My guest is the esteemed Mike Furdock. I'm Matt Dolman. This wraps up another issue, or another episode, I should say, of the Sibley Dolman Guype podcast. Thank you. This episode of David versus Goliath is over, but your journey is just getting started. To share your story with us, visit dolmanlaw.com. That's D-O-L-M-A-N law.com. Or call 866-965-6242. The insights and views presented in David vs. Goliath are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. The information presented is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney, nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. Any case result information provided on any portion of this podcast should not be understood as a promise of any particular result in a future case. Dolman Law Group. Big firm results. Small firm personal attention.